right. Well, we're really looking forward to that series that starts next Sunday. It's based on a book by Rebecca McLaughlin uh, of the same title, Is Christmas Unbelievable? It's a short little book that you can get on Amazon for $3.99. I would encourage you to buy two, one for yourself and then one that you plan to give away. This is a great series that you can invite a family member or friend to that might have questions and isn't really sure about Christianity. So we look forward to that in December. Uh, But first, Pastor Bob and I are excited to set aside today as our yearly Vision Sunday at Millington Baptist Church. You should have received a card uh, on your seat when you walked in today. Uh, You can take that out at this time. You'll notice on the back there's a QR code that you can use uh, to scan with your camera on your phone, and that will take you to our special year-end vision webpage that Mark D'Augusto has been putting together, and we'll refer to that uh, especially at the end of today's message. It's also Thanksgiving weekend, and we want to start with a word of thanksgiving. Psalm 69, a psalm of David, says this, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him in thanksgiving. Uh, We have a lot to be thankful for this year, both individually and corporately as a church. Pastor Bob's going to tell us a little bit about that. Well, it's always good every year to take a look back over what God has done over the previous year. So if we take a look back at 2022 here at MBC, there's a lot of things that we're excited about. Uh, First, let's just take a look at the sermon series we did. We had a lot of rich times in God's Word, um, going through the life of David most recently, but also going through over the summer, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the book of 1 Corinthians through our Detoxicity series and the Cultivating the Christian Life series at the beginning of 2022. Now, that, that series was part of last year's vision campaign, specifically the Spiritual Formation Small Group Workbook Initiative that was really used greatly by God to draw people closer uh, to Him. We had over 150 people going through this material in their groups. <clears throat> Excuse me, last year one of our goals was to expand our digital outreach, and this included activities like the weekly pastor podcast, as well as over 4,500 views of our Sunday services. Uh, Now, we recognize that now, like it or not, people are beholden to their screens, and so the question we thought through is, how do you engage people in that space? How do we go into, as David Kinneman calls it, digital Babylon? And through your generous giving, we were able to build a podcast and video recording studio down in the Fellowship Hall area. Uh, We're using that to create content to reach people outside our walls, as well as train our congregation to share the gospel. Additionally, we launched our NBC Unhindered YouTube channel, where you can find a host of resources. That that was part of our campus upgrades um, initiative last year, and that leads us to uh, highlight the newly renovated Fellowship Hall. Hopefully, you've had a chance to get down there. Uh, It's been really well-received and is being used greatly for God's purposes. One of the unique aspects of our ministry over the last 10 years has been the Underground Sessions, which is our ministry arm that accomplishes two objectives. Number one, we're engaging non-Christians on cultural topics of interest. And number two, we're training believers to have conversations about their Christian convictions on challenging topics. This past year, we hosted two undergrounds, one with Katie Faust on some, uh, some difficult topics related to marriage and family and parenting, and a second with Oz Guinness on the current state of our country and the American church. In fact, Oz's event just recently had over 250 people engaged both in person and online, and that was a real blessing. Uh, We also have done a lot of outreach and special events. We've enjoyed many guests coming to the campus for our Easter uh, services, our hair-raising egg party, our trunk or treat, our summer adventure, where, by the way, 15 kids profess faith in Christ for the first time, which was just super exciting. Um, Don't forget about Winter Village. We started that last year. It's coming up, as we mentioned. Um, Last year, 
just to put it in perspective, last year between Trunk or Treat, the hair-raising egg party, Winter Village, we had over 1,200 guests come to campus, and 75% of those were coming from the local community. And that's just a taste. Um, there's been so much more. We've had, we've had baptisms. We've had baby dedications, weddings, women's ministry retreats. The Radical Mentoring Initiative got kicked off. We had our first youth mission trip in three years going to Kentucky. Uh, in fact, through our larger missions program, we supported Christian schools in Pakistan where children are coming to faith. We helped our local partner Feeding Hands recover after the hurricane. And even in the midst of these turbulent times, we are currently 9% above our giving uh, goal for this year. And attendance is increasing as well. So a lot to be grateful for. Uh, God has been good to NBC, and every year we, we, we tend to be blown away by God's goodness. Amen, amen. It's been a great 2022, and uh, we don't have time to go through everything, but as we wrap up Thanksgiving weekend, we have so much to be thankful for, but we also want to say thank you to you. All of this ministry would not be possible if it was not for your generous giving, for your partnering with us at NBC and all that the kingdom of God is doing here in our local church. We have a lot to celebrate and praise God for. Amen? In fact, I would invite you, if you're able, to stand at this time, and let's pray a prayer of thanksgiving together as we thank God looking back upon this awesome year. Would you stand with me and pray? Dear Almighty God, you have been so, so good. We come before you today with a grateful heart and a spirit of thanksgiving. Thank you for the way you've used Millington Baptist Church this year. We thank you that you created us and that you gave us life as a gift, We thank you that apart from our efforts, you've given us minds to think and hearts to feel and gifts to use in service to you. This was your doing, not ours, and we say thank you. Most of all, we thank you that in spite of our sin, you showed us your grace. You sent us your one and only son, Jesus Christ, on Christmas, and then ultimately to live the perfect life and to die the perfect death, to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could have eternal life with you. And we thank you that in our generation, you brought us within earshot of this good news of Jesus Christ. And now after receiving him by faith, we thank you that you are working in us that which is pleasing in your sight. And on top of it all, for the embarrassment of blessings that we enjoy in this country, for our freedom, for your provision, for our family and friends, we thank you. We thank you for all that you're doing through Millington. All of the glory belongs to you. And so we come with grateful hearts. Bless our time in your word now, and bless us as we move forward as a church. You lead us, and we promise to follow you so closely. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we start the message today, I wanted to tell you about my favorite TV show of all time. Maybe it's your favorite TV show of all time, too. It is, of course, Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Anybody, this is your favorite show of all time? Just a couple of us? All right. Very cool. I found this show to be hysterical, whether it was Festivus for the rest of us and the feats of strength and the airing of the grievances or the soup Nazi, no soup for you. This show was just unbelievable. At a major university, their drama department decided they wanted to do an analysis to explain why this show was so popular, why it was so successful. And what they discovered was that Seinfeld was fundamentally plotless programming. It was meandering. There was no rhyme. There was no reason. It just floated from scenario to scenario in a plotless fashion. And the reason why so many people enjoyed this show was they said it's because plotless people love plotless programming. (laughs) In other words, other than the goal of making people laugh, which is an okay goal, let's just think about it. It basically appealed to the emptiness in the lives of of people. 
Seinfeld was a show without any purpose. We are living in the midst of a purposeless generation, a generation that is floating, that is untethered, that is meandering from here to there without any overall sense of purpose. There's an emptiness that's causing people to want to escape. And so the question of our age, the question of the ages, the question of the philosophers, the question of the theologians has to come to us this morning, and it rings so true. Why am I here? What is my purpose? We will all face that question. Here at NBC, we just wrapped up a sermon series on the life of David. David faced this question. And so today, as an epilogue to that series, we want to look at one verse from a sermon by the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 13 that summarizes the life of David. Just one verse. Sometimes in the last couple of weeks, we've been going through three, four, five, six, seven chapters at a time. Today, just one verse. That's good news. Amen? One verse. One verse. Very cool. Acts chapter 13. Bob's excited. Acts chapter 13, verse 36 simply says this. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. Here we have a very simple, very succinct summary statement in the book of Acts of the life of David, a multi-talented man, a multi-positioned man. But when it was all said and done, when his life was long gone, a thousand years after he had passed away, we are simply given this short yet meaningful epitaph about King David. Notice, if you will, three key points in this one verse. First, notice that David served God's purpose. Secondly, notice that he did this in his own generation. Third, notice that it was then that he fell asleep. The first thing we want you to notice is the principle of purpose or impact. The second thing we want you to notice is the principle of context. And then the third thing we want you to notice is the fact that David, like all of us, had a limited amount of time. So first, David served God's purpose. David found his purpose. He had a divine reason for being. And not just any purpose. Notice it was the purpose of God. In other words, David had a divine assignment that was given to him by God. And what that means is that God has a purpose for our lives. Just as God had a purpose for David's life, we believe that God has a perfect purpose for your life as well. There was something that God wanted David to do. There was something that God had for David to fulfill. There is something that God has for all of us to fulfill in our lives. That is our purpose. So may I ask you that question? Do you know your purpose? One of the ways that we answer that question is to look at our spiritual gifting. We believe that God has granted us a capacity for serving him that would coincide with his purpose. The shape that he has made us determines the purpose for which we were created. You've been given certain gifts and certain talents, and you will always serve God best in alignment with those purposeful shapings of your designer. For example, if you have a passion for music, but you can't sing, that's not your purpose. See, God is a designer. He always will use you in accordance with how he designed you. And because there's a designer, we believe God designed you in such a way to fulfill the purpose that he has for you. And so today, as we talk about our vision, we want to talk about that vision individually for a moment. Ask yourself that question. What's your vision for your life? 
How are you going to take your gifts, your talents, your shape, and use them purposefully for the kingdom of God and for his glory? And how can you use those gifts and talents here at NBC? That's a great prayer to pray for the next year. Now, you might say, well, I don't know, Pastor Dave, if I have any gifts or talents. Or maybe you might say, I don't even know if God can use me anymore. I've made too many mistakes in my life. But can I say with all due respect that David was not a perfect man, and yet God used him greatly. In fact, the scripture tells us if we will confess and repent of our sins, then God will even take the mistakes that you've made in your life and use those mistakes for his glory and turn you into a trophy of his grace. We are to be trees planted in the garden of God. Take a look at this picture that I found this week. This is a picture of what God can do. The message of the Bible is a message of renewal. It's a message of rebirth. It's a message of second chances. It's a message of new beginnings. It's a message of redemption. This is the heart of our God. It was certainly true that David was not a perfect man, and yet God used him in a mighty way. Just like that, we believe God can take all things and work them together for, his, for your good and for his glory. Friends, our encouragement as we begin is to fulfill your purpose individually And also together, corporately, collectively, we need to pursue God's purpose for us as a church. So when we talk about Vision Sunday, what we're doing is we're looking forward to what God will accomplish through us as a church in 2023. So you, the congregation, as Dave was talking about here, are are a crucial part of that. So let me just remind you of our vision, which is highlighted on these banners uh, behind me. Here's our vision statement at NBC. We are, we, uh, is, our vision at NBC is to make disciples who are firmly planted, growing together, and made to multiply. In fact, let's say that together. One, two, three. Firmly planted, growing together, made to multiply. That's right. You got it. Now, if you're new with us, that's our vision here at NBC. Every three to five years, we kind of assess our vision language to reflect God's heart for NBC at that time and where he's calling us to go as a church. This vision statement gives visional language to our biblical call. So let's first look at firmly planted. We want to be a church of people who are firmly planted in the truth and the authority of the word of God and the power of the gospel. And I believe this has always been important, but now more than ever in recent history. Last week, we spoke about David's last words to his son Solomon. How did he begin his final statement? He said, take courage and be a man. Now, now we broke that down last week, but in David's day, I would just say it took courage to follow God and stand up for his ways. And the same is true today. It takes courage to follow Jesus. And when push comes to shove, if you're not firmly planted in biblical convictions and our hearts are not gripped with the gospel of grace, we will fall. In fact, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Colossae, a church that was being bombarded with cultural messages that were antithetical to the gospel. And so he writes this to them. He says, he says therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord... So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and what? Abounding in thanksgiving. Right? This week was Thanksgiving. Are you abounding in thanksgiving because you've been rooted in the truth of God's word and the gospel? Are you firmly planted? Now, second, the second part is growing together. And let me just state the obvious. The last few years have have been pretty hard on relationships, uh, you may say that's an understatement. Um, I don't know your story, uh, but what I do know is whether it's been isolation through lockdowns or health caution, differing views on pandemic responses or political issues, relationships have become strained. 
And even in the church, people have become out of tune at times. Now, here at NBC, our vision is to be a place where we're growing together. In a disconnected world, we want to be a place where people can be connected, whether that's through shared interests or worship or small groups or serving, whatever it is. We were created as relational beings in the image of a relational God. And David knew this well. In fact, in Psalm 133, a psalm that he writes, verses 1 to 3, he speaks about the blessing of dwelling together in Harmony, harmony, or other, other uh, versions talk about unity. He says, how wonderful and pleasant is it when brothers and sisters dwell together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. So in a world full of dissonance, we need more harmony, Amen. Right? God is calling NBC to be an oasis in the desert where we're marked by harmony as we grow together and look forward to life everlasting. Now, third, the made to multiply uh, uh, part of this. God does not call us to hide within the four walls of our church, He calls us to go and make disciples. He calls us to praise Him in front of the nations and sing of His glory. And so today, this takes courage, right? It takes courage to say you're a Christian and to stand up for what and share what you believe in a hostile world. Do you feel that tension? And yet God still calls us not to hide behind a wall, but to go and share. And so at NBC, we believe people need to hear the gospel, repent of their sins, turn to Jesus because he's our true king and we must surrender our lives to him to live fully. And David knew that well. He knew who the true king was. And so after he committed his great sin with Bathsheba, he penned Psalm 51, which highlighted his repentance, but also his desire to reach others. He writes this. He says to God, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Are you a rebel? If you're a Christian, you once were. But we have been redeemed. All of us were once rebels against God's law. We fought him until he saved us and gave us a new heart, willing to surrender to his grace. And so what we need is to be redeemed people like David who call rebels to return to the true king. Friends, we want to make an impact on our world. We want to see more and more and more people saved by the power of the Holy Spirit through the blessing and message of the cross. We want the gospel to be the song we sing every day. David's life became a song. Does your life sing so that others may see? That is our heart when we say made to multiply. We want to make an impact Vision is all about seeing lives transformed. However, if we want to have our desired impact, we got to do some work, right? We we need to look around. We need to pray. We need to listen and understand our context. How do we practically, how can we practically accomplish that vision in 2023? And so that's the second thing we learn about David. David served God's purpose in his generation, and then he fell asleep. Notice that second phrase there, in his generation. That's the point about context. David and his entire generation were affected by him deciding to fulfill God's purpose for his life. So here's the question for us. Who will be affected by you fulfilling the purpose of God for your life? How will you impact the generation in which God has chosen 
to place you. There's power in just one person pursuing God's purpose. Uh, The other night, Michaela and I sat down and we watched as a yearly tradition in our family, It's a Wonderful Life. And perhaps you're familiar with that final scene, the scene of George Bailey and the difference that just one person can make on his family and on his community and beyond. One person can make a tremendous difference. God wants to use you as a tree planted firmly by the streams of water to impact your generation. Take a look at this one tree that provides shade for that many people. This is a picture of how God wants your life to be, to be a blessing to others around you. Here at NBC, we want to impact our generation because this is the generation to which God has called us to live. Uh, there's a passage in the book of Chronicles that talk about some of, some of David's key supporters, and it describes the men of Issachar this way. Look at this language. It says that these were men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. They understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. That is exactly the kind of leaders that we want to have here at NBC. We want to be people who understand the times and know what we, God's people, ought to do. And so what we did was we gathered together the ministry leadership team, and we gathered together the board of elders, and we said, these are our times. What are those initiatives that God is calling us to do in our generation to make an impact as we seek to follow him in the next year? And we came up with five distinct categories with many new initiatives that all fit into these five categories. We talked about, number one, campus upgrades. Number two, investment in the next generation. Number three, leadership development. Number four, missional compassion. And then number five, outreach. When it comes to that first bucket, the campus upgrades, we want to primarily invest in two distinct areas. One of them has to do with campus enhancement. One of the things that we know about King David was he cared about God's house. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, you'll recall that he wanted to make an investment and build a house for God. Remember that scene? God, of course, tells him, no, you're not going to be the one to build my house. Your son is going to be the one who builds my house. And what David does is, even though God told him no, uh, we read about this in 1 Chronicles 22, is David spends the last years of his life stockpiling materials for his son so that Solomon might be fully prepared to build the most beautiful temple that's ever that's ever existed in this entire world. Take a look at the passage from 1 Chronicles 22. David said, my son Solomon is young and inexperienced. And all the dads with sons said, amen. My son Solomon is young and inexperienced, and the house to be built for the Lord should be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all nations. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. Notice that. David would never see this temple. David would never lay eyes on this vision. Yet, even though God told him no, David spent the last years of his life making preparations so that God's house would be beautiful and magnificent. And David did this to his everlasting joy, dreaming with his son Solomon. Like them, we want to make an investment in the house of God that we enjoy here. There's a lot of areas that we could focus on. In this year, we want to focus on two. Uh, First, we want to invest in creating some more outdoor seating areas at NBC. Why? Because that's where the trees are. Uh, You'll notice that there's opportunities to have some chairs and outdoor seating on our campus, and we want to make an investment there. There's something about a well-designed spot, particularly outdoors, that can be very 
comforting and conducive towards relational connectedness. Whether it's a simple picnic table or some Adirondack chairs around a circle or a fire pit or just overlooking an open yard, an outdoor space designed for enjoyment and fellowship by our church family and friends is being planned. You'll hear more about that as those plans take shape. The second investment we want to make in our campus has to do with worship. And we know King David was a worshiper. He wrote half the book of Psalms. Uh, Look at what he says in 1 Chronicles 16. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. David valued excellence in worship. He knew God was due glory. One of the great privileges that we have as a congregation is to praise God together in song. And because music is such a powerful vehicle for glorifying God and encouraging one another, our desire is to, pro- to approach our worship with deliberate thought and care. Uh, God has blessed us with a fantastic worship director here, John Bonaventura, who leads a very, very talented team every week. But our current sound system has served well for us for about 20 years or so, and technology has been rapidly advancing during that time. And so we're excited to offer a brand new state-of-the-art speaker system, which will meet the needs of NBC for years to come, and we want to fill this sanctuary with God's praise. So we're very excited about a couple of these campus upgrades. The question for you and me is on the screen. Will we choose to bring an offering and come before God uh, with thanksgiving and make this investment? So that's number one, campus upgrades. What else, Pastor Bob? Well, one of the purposes that God is calling us to fulfill in our generation is to secondly reach the next generation. Each year we choose a major initiative in this key area, and this bucket is, if I can just be honest, is near and dear to my heart, because I served in youth ministry for many years and worked with teenagers, and I saw the questions they were asking and the challenges they were facing, and today I have three little kids, and there's literally days that I sit back and wonder what complex issues they're going to be facing over the next 5, 10, 15 years as they grow up with, with you know, changes in technology, global unrest, uh, you know, a redefinition of things like sexuality and relationships, just to name a few things. Now, it was much different, I think, when I was a kid, and maybe you've had that thought too. And so I think again about David's last words to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 2. What did he say? He told Solomon, observe the requirements of the Lord your God, follow all his ways, keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you may be successful in all you do and wherever you go. In other words, he says, follow God with your whole heart, Solomon. That's how David sought to live. We're told he's a man after God's own heart. Friends, we want to raise up a generation of children who chase after God's heart. Nothing else matters. We must teach the next generation to both love God and love people in everything they do. School, church, work, relationships, everything. Can we raise a generation of children whose lives sing about the power of God? And the stakes are high. Because if we don't, we could experience what Israel experienced in the book of Judges, chapter 2, verse 10. Right before the king came, what do we read? We read, read, after that generation died, the generation that knew God, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. And I have to be honest, if you're not familiar with this verse, this verse keeps me up at night. 
Because I know my children are in God's hands, but he calls me and he calls you to disciple, to train, to prepare, to pass on the message of the gospel to that next generation. He calls us to show our children what it means to fall in love with Jesus. Oh, here at NBC, one of our core values is to build strong families because when the family is strong, the children have a more durable foundation to build a resilient faith in turbulent times. And this core value applies both to the family in the home and the larger family of God. Because when the church and the family are working together, we will make an impact on that next generation, and Judges 2.10 will not happen on our watch. So here's what we're going to specifically be doing this year. We're going to be sending a group of children's ministry leaders, uh, led by Rachel and Lenore, to Nashville so they can experience a national conference called the Child Discipleship Forum. And this conference is put on by the organization AWANA, which is a global leader in child and youth discipleship. And just to, just to give you a glimpse, this is the vision for the conference. This is what they say. They invite you to join them at CDF, Child Discipleship Forum 23, as we hear from thought leaders, pastors, experts, how to cultivate a different spirit in our kids, producing Christ followers who are filled with what? Conviction, courage, compassion, and commitment. And when I hear that, I say, yes, that's what we need. Isn't that what you want for your children? I know that's what my wife and I want for ours. Now, here's the best part. Once they come back, we're going to share everything they learned with everybody. We're going to be hosting a local one-day conference here at NBC. We're going to be curating the best content from the live conference and show those sessions to a local group as we brainstorm ideas, share struggles, catch the vision of impacting the next generation. So once that's announced, we would love to have you attend. Why? Because we want to raise up a generation of children who chase after God's heart like David. Not just a person, but a generation after God's own heart. And we want to be a regional leader equipping other churches to do the same. And so we're really excited about this initiative for the next generation. Pastor Dave, what's next? Think about that. What is the faith of the next generation worth? It's worth everything. So let's make that investment. Another way we want to impact the next generation is through leadership development. One of the things that King David thought a lot about was having the right leaders around him. He surrounded himself with what's called David's mighty men. Uh, we didn't have time to preach through these guys, uh, but there were 37 mighty men listed in 2 Samuel chapter 23 who David was developing and investing in as leaders. Here's my favorite one. His name's Benaiah. Benaiah was a valiant fighter, performed great exploits, he struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down a huge Egyptian, although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand. Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah. I love this guy. Beast mode. This was one of David's mighty men. This was a warrior. This was a courageous, courageous man. Friends, we are looking to raise up some Benaiahs. Not to go after lions on a snowy day, but those who would have the courage to say, yeah, I will follow God's call on my life in my generation. And to that end, one of the things we want to do in terms of leadership development is expand our internship program by attracting and incentivizing high-quality, ministry-minded students to serve at NBC during the summer and at other times. If you can kill a lion with your bare hands, you can apply. So we're looking for us to expand this program, and that will include a stipend during the duration of the internship and possibly other living expenses such as housing. Interns will be assigned a mentor 
and given responsibilities of oversight according to their area of interest. I'm kind of kidding around here, but what we want to do in all seriousness is multiply the ministry of NBC by raising up other godly leaders and then sending them back out to their destination to make an impact where God is calling them. And so we're very excited to make an impact in our internship program. All right, I'm getting excited about that snow at the Winter Village. Maybe some lions will show up. Um, Well, if you've been around NBC for any period of time, you know that we have a heart to reach people with the gospel. Um, And so the next category is that of missional compassion. And that happens both locally and it happens globally. It happens through gospel demonstration, meeting the physical needs of the outcast, and it happens through gospel proclamation, because we believe that the gospel is a message to be heard and believed. Now, I want you to pause for a moment and think about the needs of the people that you know. How can you show compassion to those in need? Now, maybe it's a physical need like groceries or finances or whatever, but maybe it's a spiritual need. I suspect many of us have people in our lives who don't know Jesus and their souls are empty. And they're longing implicitly for something more. Well, we want to do something about that. So I'm excited to tell you about three uh, compassionate missional projects that we're planning this coming year. Two are local, one's global. The first, every year we support our preschool, Little Footprints Learning Center, by designating scholarships to help families attend. Because private education is expensive, and we want more and more families to be able to receive a Christian education in their child's formative years. So we want to share the love of Jesus through LFLC. Second, our missions teams just voted to take on the organization Young Lives as a local ministry partner. Now, you may have heard about Young Life, which is a group that seeks to reach teenagers at, a local, at local high schools with the gospel. Young Lives is the ministry arm of that organization, which specifically ministers to teenage mothers. So over the last year, there's been a lot of cultural discussions about the issue of life. And we're a church that is unapologetically committed to the cause of life, and so we invest in organizations like First Choice Women's Resource Center to help save babies and minister to pregnant moms. But what's the objection people bring against Christians? You only care about the baby before they're born. You don't help single moms. Well, this year, we want to close the gap in that objection. We want to help find ways to minister to mothers who have chosen life for their precious little babies. And so this local chapter of Young Lives runs a campaign called Life Pact. And here's how it works. The organization puts together a box uh, with household and technology needs. Every Life Pact is hand-delivered by a volunteer mentor who follows up with the mothers. So they say it's more than a box. Check out this video that gives you just a taste of what it looks like to receive a life-packed box. Imagine every time you walk into your kitchen, you leave empty-handed and hopeless, overwhelmed with fear to leave your home, lacking the capacity to get basic essentials. We studied 1.9 million digital conversations, and teen moms and at-risk youth overwhelmingly claim to be feeling a deep psychological impact and sense of hopelessness due to the current hardships, unrest, and economic turbulence. They are looking for someone to depend on, and that's the role we get to play. Life Pact goes beyond delivering the basic household essentials and vital technology options. Every Life Pact that we hand deliver is more than a box. It comes packed with a promise. Powered by Young Life, we make a pact to connect each teen mom and at-risk youth with a volunteer mentor who will be serving as the backbone of our delivery and community-based follow-up process. With your partnership, we will invest more in our youth than ever before. 
Together, we can impact multiple generations and build a bridge of restoration. Your investment will be a legacy written on the hearts of hundreds of thousands of lives to come. Thank you for joining our pack. Hope in hopeless situations. I love that. Now, we believe this is going to mean a great need in our local area, and you can read more information about this on our NBC End of the Year Giving page. Uh, we're going to be offering financial support so young lives can get out more and more life-packed boxes to mothers who need them. And there's also going to be ways to volunteer with the organization, so just stay tuned for that. Now, third, you probably noticed that Ukraine has been in the news over the last year. Uh, the images we see on, and the reports we get on the news ha- have made our hearts heavy. Right? We, we thought by now maybe this conflict would be over, and yet it keeps dragging on and on and on. We are burdened for Eastern Europe because it's sad and unjust. So let's do something about it. This year, we're going to be supporting our mission organization, World Venture, as they seek to provide war relief in the Ukraine region. And so we plan to help with the following. We're going to be doing things like empowering the local church in Ukraine to help relieve the suffering and meet local needs. Um, We're going to be offering victims of the war tangible care through that local church. And then through that church, we're going to be meeting um, physical needs. The local church will cast a vision to move beyond relief to kingdom engagement. So we really believe our gifts are going to start to build a legacy of gospel investment in Ukraine, and we're super excited about that. So that's missional compassion. Now, the last bucket is that of outreach. Outreach. We have a heart to reach out to our local community, to our neighbors. Now, you know, earlier this year, we spent a lot of time talking about trees. Pastor Dave has alluded to it throughout this uh, message. There's trees everywhere on campus. If you're in the balcony, turn around, boom, tree. There's a tree in the lobby right now, a Christmas tree. You walk into our, our office here, there's a tree logo. Our logo is a tree. Trees are everywhere. Trees are meant to multiply. Trees, healthy trees, bear fruit. Now, one of the things I hear over and over again from Christians today is this. I wish I could share my faith, and I know I should stand up for my Christian convictions, but I know I should proclaim the gospel, but I don't know how. I'm scared. I'm not sure how to answer the objections that come my way. And perhaps you're listening right now, and you're saying, yes, I'm that person. I think we all understand it's not easy today, as easy today as it once was. And to that, I would just say two things. Number one, we are called to share our faith. We are called to be ambassadors for the gospel. We're called to be and sing the music of God as we tell others about his wondrous deeds. One of my favorite psalms, which David didn't write, is Psalm 96, which says this, Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he has done. Now, if this is considered a missional psalm, and while David didn't write it, I think he would have agreed with the music it makes. Because if God has done something in your life, how can you not tell others? How can you not sing about what he has done? That's what local outreach is about. So I want to highlight three initiatives we are embarking on this year. Uh, The first you've heard about already. We're we're going to be hosting the Contend Conference at the end of January. And this is going to be an amazing weekend of equipping and sharing. Uh, The conference is designed to help you, number one, understand the barriers to sharing the gospel, and number two, equip you to share that gospel. 
The main sessions will cover various topics of apologetics, teaching us to contend for the faith, as Jude 3 tells us. And then the breakout sessions on Saturday will offer practical tools to sharing your faith in different scenarios. And then Saturday night, I'm really excited about this, we're going to host an underground sessions event called Answering Today's Toughest Questions. And so we're going to try to stump the panelists as they teach us to navigate those conversations. And you are invited to bring friends who have questions. Now, putting on a conference like this is a large investment, and your generosity in both time, talent, and treasure allows us to do that. How can you be involved? Well, number one, registration is open, so sign up to attend now. Number two, you can also sign up to serve and help us with the various needs we have. And then three, most importantly, invite others. Others who need this training and people who have questions. Now, second, later in the year, we're going to be developing an eight-week Worldview Training Institute to help equip people to be grounded in their faith and think Christianly about all of life. And eventually, we're going to use that to train uh, our interns in the summer, which Dave mentioned, and we're also going to make it available to all people who want to live out their faith every day. Now, finally... Finally, we are excited to launch an Alpha Group initiative, and, and I've been announcing this for a little while, but in the, in, the, in, in the vein of we need leaders to help, it also is going to be turning out to inviting everybody to come to this. If you don't know what Alpha is, it's a series of conversations designed to engage people with the Christian faith. It's run by churches, and it's been around for 30 years, and literally I know people in our congregation who have come to faith, or they've come back to faith through the ministry of Alpha, and I am really excited to have us run one this year. So if you want to know more about it or start to think about who you can invite, I invite you to watch this video right here to get a taste of what Alpha is about. We all have that person in our lives. That neighbor we pass by every day outside our homes. That coworker we see at the office five days a week. Or those friends we catch up with every once in a while. People we wish could know and experience the love of God. How do we share it? Where do we even start? Deep inside, we know that it'll cost us something to open up our lives and share our faith. It takes time, vulnerability, sacrifice, the risk of rejection. But this is our call, to open our lives and to share Christ with the people close to us. Because it's only through opening your life up that spaces for honest conversations are possible. Spaces where people can truly be themselves and explore the deepest parts of life with people they know and trust. That's why we're running Alpha. It's a course over several weeks where you can invite your friends to explore life's biggest questions over a meal. It's a chance for you to invite that person into an honest conversation about faith. Because when it's hard to find the moment, or the words, or the courage, you can simply invite. Alpha, who will you invite? So as you can see, a major component of Alpha is food. 
And so your generous giving is literally going to feed people into the kingdom, both physically and spiritually. Now, our, our groups are going to be beginning in February on the heels of the Contend Conference. Our youth are going to be doing it as well. Um, and I want to extend two invitations right now. Number one, we still need people to be shepherds and evangelists and servants to help with the launch. So if you're interested in that, talk to me. More details will be coming very soon. A second, we want you to attend. So even if you don't want to help lead the initiative, just come and please bring a friend. Or if you're somebody in this room who is new to the Christian faith or you have questions, this is the place to be. Nothing is off the table. So is God calling you to serve? Is God calling you to invite someone who has questions? I want you to think right now about the person in your life who might meet the creator of the universe through this ministry. Our faith is not meant to be private. It's meant to be seen in all areas of our lives. And you know, sometimes I, I look around and I listen to the news and, and I, I, I look around what's happening in the world and I, I look up and I ask God, I say, God, why me? Maybe you have this thought too. Why am I alive now? Why did you call me to lead during such times? And the response I always get back from him is just simply this, I chose you for such a time as this. And if you're listening to my voice today, he chose you too. Because God did not call Martin Luther. God did not call Corey Tan Boom. God did not call Elizabeth Elliot. He did not call William Wilberforce or whatever giant of the faith you're thinking of right now. He didn't call them to live today. He called you. He called me. This is our time. In fact, let's say that together. This is our time. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, this is our time. <laughs> Let's say it one more time. Let's shout it out so the people outside these walls can hear us. One, two, three. This is our time. Church, we are called to make an impact in our context for the glory of God. Amen? This is our time. And so David served the purposes of God in his generation and then he fell asleep. And so it's that third point that maybe is the most sobering point for all of us today, isn't it? Then he fell asleep. That's just a euphemism that means he died. Once in a while, I buy my wife flowers, and they look really wonderful for a few days. And they sit on the counter for a few days, and we try to keep watering them, but eventually, you and I both know they wither and they die. Just like that, you and I are cut flowers. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not live in the land of the living and you're heading to the land of the dying. That is not your story. You live in the land of the dying and you're actually heading to the land of the living. Our time on this earth is short. Our time on this earth is limited. David fell asleep. And so the lesson here from this third point is pretty obvious, isn't it? Don't waste the time that you have. It's not infinite. David fell asleep, and like that, you and I will one day pass on as well. We met a sad character in our series through the life of David named King Saul. At the very end of his life, which ended in tragedy, he said two horribly haunting things. Number one, he said, I have played the fool. Number two, he said, I have erred exceedingly. Do not let those sad words define your life. David served the purpose of God in his generation, and then he fell asleep. So we have to ask ourselves this question. Before we fall asleep, are we serving the purpose of God with the time that God has given us? 
The psalmist says, teach us to number our days that we might present to you a heart of wisdom. We need to wisely invest because we don't know how much time we have left. How will I invest my time, my talents, my treasure here in my local church? Will I make an investment that has kingdom value? And what will that investment cost me? You know, there was a story at the end of David's life that we didn't have time to really go into in detail, but it's the story about how he wanted to purchase a piece of real estate in order to bring an offering into God's presence to forgive him of a certain census that he took, which was outside of the will of God. And he approaches the landowner to buy this piece of land. And the landowner, of course, knows, you're the king. You don't have to buy it from me. I'll just give it to you. You're King David. You could just have this piece of land. And David responds in a very interesting way. Take a look at 2 Samuel 24, verse 24. But the king, David, replied, no, I insist on paying you for it. Why? Because I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Notice, David insisted on giving a sacrifice. Oftentimes, we give not out of a sacrifice, but out of the overflow. David said, no, that's not the way I want to give to God. He deserves my best. According to David and according to the scriptures, when it comes to giving back to God, service to God that counts is service to God that costs. I will not offer to the Lord my God that which costs me nothing. You should have received a card on your way in today. I would encourage you to just to take that out for a moment. And if you have a smartphone, open up the camera app on your smartphone and just just take a picture of that QR code and that will take you to our year-end vision website that our communication director, Mark, has spent a lot of time working on. I want you to go there now because Then you'll have it marked in your phone, and then later on, when you have more time, you can really read it all the way through and watch the video there and remind yourself of all these really neat initiatives that Millington Baptist Church is interested in doing. And I want you to ask yourself prayerfully this question between now and the end of this year. Lord, what are you calling me to give? What can I sacrifice that will cost me something to my local church that you might use my gift for your purposes? David served the purpose of God in his generation, and then he fell asleep. Then he fell asleep. Then it was over. One of the games that I like to play with my kids is the board game Risk. Is there any other deranged people out here that really enjoy Risk like I do? A couple of you, yeah. Come on, Kyle, we've played that before. Come on. Our kids hate playing Risk with me, their dad. When that board game is in front of me, something changes. I turn from a loving, merciful, kind, pastoral, fatherly figure into a competitive, dictator, ruthless, conquering emperor. I don't care if you're my own precious daughter. I'm coming after you. I intend to take over your territories. And when you're out, I set my sights on the next daughter and then the next one. I can be really obnoxious when that game Risk is out in front of me. But it's always sad for me when that game is over. Everything has to go back in the box. When the game is over, the armies go back and all the countries go back and all the cards go back. Even the dice goes back in the box. And then in the most distressing moment of all, we close the box. Game over. David served the purposes of God in his generation and then he fell asleep. One day, you're going to be at the front of somebody's church and they're going to close the box. Game over. 
And when people come up to you and talk about you on that day, I, I know what they're going to talk about because I've been to so many of these. They're not going to talk about your 401k. They're not going to talk about how many sales you got at work or how good you were at keeping track of the Giants or the Eagles or the Yankees. They're going to talk about the fruitfulness of your life. They're going to talk about your generosity. They're going to talk about the way you loved your family. They're going to talk about the way you invested in your local church. They're going to talk about the way you use your gifts and talents to serve the purpose of God in your generation before you fell asleep. Friends, the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we serving the purposes of God in our generation before we fall asleep? When David came to the end of his life, God himself wrote David's epitaph. In fact, we're told in Acts chapter 13 that David was a man after God's own heart. So the question for you and for me is, what am I doing with my time, my talent, my treasure? What am I doing to invest in the purpose of God in my generation before I fall asleep? So that when this time is over, it might be said of you. David served the purpose of God in his generation, and then he fell asleep. Mark served the purpose of God in his generation, and then he fell asleep. Margaret served the purpose of God in her generation, and then she fell asleep. Will your name fit that epitaph so that you serve the purpose of God in your generation before you fall asleep? Our encouragement is to consider as you look forward to this next year how God might be calling you to invest your time, your talents, and your treasure into his eternal purposes. We invite you to sit quietly and reflect on that question. And in just a moment, after we spend some time in prayer and meditation privately, John will lead us in our final song.